This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. Welcome to High Stakes. I'm David Schifrin, and this is part two of the conversation about COVID-19 between our CEO, David Gerard, and Emily Evans of Hedgeye Risk Management. If you missed part one, I'd highly recommend going back and checking it out. Here, Emily and David talk about access to care, the political implications, including Medicare for All, of COVID-19, public health and personal responsibility, and the opportunity for telemedicine, among other things. As a reminder, this was recorded on March 11th, so things may have changed by the time you hear this. If you find it valuable, and I certainly think you will, be sure to share it with your colleagues and subscribe to High Stakes on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. So I've, I've thought of the, a little bit about this as a as a test of the system mm-hmm. itself, particularly given the Medicare for All right. conversations that have been happening. This is this is a significant access question. Right. We've seen some policymakers either through their state or through their I don't know um, influence try to make testing free, mm-hmm. access free. How's that playing out, and what do you what do you think some consequences are of this? Uh, you know that that the, one of the I think one of the negatives about the current political environment where we're so focused on health. You know, it is such a big priority because the people in power typically are at an age where their friends are getting sick and dying. They've encountered a health crisis. It's very personal. It's very, very personal. And, uh, and, And I mean, compare that to the 1980s where we were just transfixed by national security. I mean, it was all about, you know, the... Cold War and the post Cold War, and and the personal experience of the people that set the agenda really is informing a lot of it. But one of the bad things about that is that we're now really focused on testing when we should be really focused on mitigation. You know, you're testing when you test somebody, you're sending them to the doctor where other right. sick people are. But isn't that classic healthcare? Because that's what we can do, and that's what we can measure, exactly. and that's what we can pay for. So that's what we're going to do, right? Exactly. So whether it's effective or not is really secondary to right. the checklist that we can create. And, and look at think about you know I'm old enough to have a mother who you know was raised during the pre-vaccine era, so there was no smallpox you know, uh, or no chickenpox vaccine. There was no measles vaccine. There was no polio vaccine. Yeah. And so, you know, the you, you never touched your face. You wore gloves when you went out. Well, public health was really public health. Public Everyone health was, responsible. was there. Everybody, that's a great way of putting it. Everybody was responsible. Well, now, and back to this breakdown in institutions, they people who are walking around feeling pretty good, you know, healthy. I'm not sick. You're not sick. You don't look sick. You know, let me shake your hand, and um, which I'm sure is what happened at the Biogen conference. And you're, wacky and, and instead, what you're supposed to do is take responsibility for yourself. Wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Don't shake hands. Stay home when you're sick. All of these things, and those have a huge impact. Forget about testing. Just act like you're sick, and then. You know we'll all get well together, but we're we're not we're, yeah we're we're not we're not we're going not we're not uh, going there. I have read with interest the the phenomenon of people wearing masks, oh, right? gosh, yeah. particularly in, in China and some others, and it's helped my understanding to recognize that for some they they see it as protection, but others it's a signal that I take public health seriously. So they, I'm you know, I'm, and I'm I know there. I know that people in China when they see somebody without a mask they get very uncomfortable, which we we haven't 
we aren't at that point. One of the concerns that public health officials have in the United States is you put that mask on and you just drop all your public health, you know, behaviors. You know, ah, you know, you it's touch like a force field if you, you do. Yeah, you touch your face, and and some one one head of our public health department here in in town. He said, yeah, it's great. When you cough into your mask, it goes that way, you know? So, <laughs> so people who don't know you're going to start coughing get, get hit. He's like, it's, it's, not, it's not smart, but it does, it does, it does indicate that you're, you're serious about it, I suppose. But I want, to, I want to go back to the access question because mm-hmm. it has been such yeah. a big part of the national conversation. And, and now everyone wants to be sure they have access. Maybe in ways they didn't before. It feels urgent. And maybe they just for a few weeks, but it feels urgent right now. Do you think that will sort of rekindle this conversation at a policy level? Uh, for like Medicare for all yeah. type conversation? Uh-huh. I really don't. Um, I think, and, and this is, I think my conclusion turns on my belief that the healthcare system will function as it's trained to function through this crisis. Uh, and that the trust that people have in that system will be either restored or affirmed that that's what i think will happen if that does not happen yeah there will be punishment in spades and that may mm-hmm. likely be medicare for all so it's an opportunity uh, we talk about opportunities and in, in moments in time this is a moment for hospitals and health systems and traditional providers to step into this yes right? and, and be who they are to lead right into yeah reflect their mission yeah to lead and and you know one uh we we're hearing from We've heard from a lot of politicians on this, except for Washington State. I have not seen any press conferences out of Santa Clara County mm-hmm. yet. Uh, they've been pretty proactive, but not not as good as Washington State. But I haven't seen what I have not seen is the healthcare system talking about this. And, and you know, if your doctor sends you a note and says, you know, you're over sixty, you're at risk. Here's the things I want you to do. What is that? That just affirms your belief that this is the right doctor for you, right? He's thinking about me. Yes. You know, don't don't go. You're over sixty. You've got emphysema or you've got asthma. Don't go out. Don't take a cruise. Yeah. Don't take a cruise. Yeah. Don't take a cruise. Don't go out. You know. Don't go to the mahjong. You know, tables. Don't just don't do those things. Mm-hmm. It'll only be a couple weeks, I promise, and and you you can go back to your normal life. But that we haven't seen that yet, so we'll we'll see how it pans out. It's a huge opportunity, though. Yeah. We've talked we talked about the doc and nurse staffing companies and and how they could play a, a really vital role mm-hmm. here. Got to talk about telemedicine. Oh right. yes, everybody's of working. You know, urging, being urged to work at home, or right. anticipating doing that. So, medicine at home. Medicine at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid have made moves to relax the reimbursement of telemedicine. One of the reasons telemedicine is so behind the curve uh, is because of Medicare rules. And and because of right. Medicare rules, that's how docs get trained. And when docs get trained that way, that's how we practice medicine. That's the way it works. And uh, this, they've relaxed those rules. I think that if it goes smoothly, we'll see them repealed entirely. They're you know, for people who don't know, Medicare says you have to do for the traditional Medicare. If you want to have a telemedicine visit, you have to be in a nursing home or in a psychiatric institute, and you have to call your doctor from there, which really makes no sense. A lot of rules, a lot of barriers. It's really, really crazy uh, rules, and it's all created by the fraud, waste, and abuse crowd. Uh, so, if it goes well, then yeah. we should see uh, an explosion of that. 
And a company like Teladoc is the by far and away the leader in that industry. Mm-hmm. I think eventually, though, what you're going to see is health systems and really, and who really needs to make the investment is doctor practices, you know, physicians' practices, make the investment and have a telemedicine platform within their practice area. You mean local physicians who already have the credibility in some sort of patient base. Right. Where exactly. they can lean into it. They lean into so one of you know we're old enough to remember remember telebanking. Oh yeah. Okay. Very exciting. Do we call it telebanking anymore? <laughs> no. We call it banking. Yes. Right. <laughs> remember that was so neat. You you know, you you, you log on, you could see everything in your bank. Very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I think the telemedicine is, uh, effort is gonna be augmented, supported, and expanded by the interoperability rules that mm-hmm. were uh, released two days ago. It mm-hmm. seems like a lifetime. Uh, right. But th- I think that's going to be an accelerant on that as well. So let's go back to D.C. So Medicare for all, maybe, maybe not based on all of this. Will there be any repercussions or consequences or fallout in D.C. because of all of this? Too early to tell? What, what do you Donald mean? Trump may lose. I think that's going to be the – he you know he was on a pretty clear path to victory, especially in you – know, at, the, at the electoral college level, not, not in the general election. Yeah. And um, a couple of things happened. One – something I expected would happen, the Democratic Party establishment rallied around Joe Biden, the former vice president. Uh, it's remarkable what's it happened. It really was. I wasn't sure that all those candidates would bail like they did. But I, I've had that conversation. I've heard that conversation, and it goes something like this. For the good of the party, it's mm-hmm. not quite your turn. Think about where you'll be in four years or eight years. You know, that that was the conversation. A bit of discipline that wasn't shown by the Republican Party four years ago. It, it's not something Republicans have ever been. They, they've never had the, here here in Tennessee, we call it the unit unit control. They've never had the unit control over their party that the Democrats have. And Democrats have always had a much stronger establishment. You yes. know, within the Republican Party, there are like three parties. You know, within the Democratic Party, there's really... As everybody knows, probably five within the Republican Party and probably two within the Democratic Party. So Joe Biden, for all of his flaws as a candidate, and they are considerable, he will he will come across as competent, experienced, you know, and able to talk about government and what it's here for in times like these. Donald Trump took a completely different, oh, it's no big deal, don't worry about it, uh, which is absolutely the wrong thing to do in a public health crisis. I mean, it is like, it's what gave us the Spanish flu. Remember that? You, you know, you, if you studied that, you wouldn't remember it. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. But that, but, but that we had, the, it was right after World War I. And the Sedition, Sedition Act had just been passed, and you weren't. They, there were there, there were controls on the press. That's right. You weren't able to tell the truth you and talk about what was important. Right, and so a lot of people died as a result. Got sick and died because they, they didn't know what was going on, and and people still don't know what's going on. But now the one person that's doing the talking and the cameras on them mm. is not developing any kind of trust. Tony Fauci is doing a great job. Scott Gottlieb, who left the FDA, yeah. but he's doing a, a pretty good job um, talking about it, in, it, even though he's not part of the government anymore. CDC is doing a, a decent enough job. I, I think the breakdown has been Alec Azar, uh, Seema Verma, and his conflict with her and the White House. Yeah. 
Well, and you, you've mentioned several times this is a moment for trusted voices to mm-hmm. speak, right? Uh, for hospitals and health systems and others who would naturally carry that. Right. They can either be silent, right, and allow others to fill that vacuum or advance themselves. Right. And I think and if, if you see a credible person sitting there in front of that microphone, like you're seeing in Washington State, although I will, will caveat that by saying Washington State has some explaining to do about the nursing home infection, uh, which caused problems throughout the country. Yeah. And, and I, I suspect we could, if when this is studied, draw a line from the measles outbreak in the Pacific Northwest to where we are today in Washington state, which is just a rejection of... Oh, we're going to get into anti-vaxxers? We're going to go there? I don't think it's unreasonable to ask, you know, why people are so distrustful of traditional public health mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. efforts. And and they're, those we now have two crises centered in a general geographic area of the U.S. So I... I think that in those communities where you don't have that credible public voice, it's a great opportunity for a healthcare system to step out and say, here's how many patients we have, you know, here's their ages, here's, you know, the condition they're in, here's what we, as your public health, you know, provider, here's what we recommend that you, you do. And here's what we know to be true. And here's what we know to not be true. Right. Don't come to our emergency room if you just want to test. Because you're going to encounter people who want a test because they need a test, right. and you're going to get sick. Which goes back to your thought about true public health. We're all, in a, in a sense, healthcare providers. Right. right. If we allow ourselves to get infected, we're, we're a disservice right, to others who may be vulnerable. Right. The reason that the governor of, of New York has put this containment zone around poor New Rochelle, New York, yeah. is because people were not doing what they were told. They weren't self-isolating. They weren't self. They weren't doing the the things that we all depend on them to do in right. order for the rest of us to keep. So he's like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the National Guard. Um, it's a little extreme and kind of might create a little panic. I'm not sure. I think Wash King County, Washington, has five stages that they have identified, yeah. and when they get to each of those stages, they'll take additional incrementally stronger measures. They're at stage two right now. Uh, stage five is actually shutting down roads and limiting travel and, you know, like everybody stays in their house uh, kind of thing, which is not happened in this country in a in hundred years. Yeah. But, um, Dramatic and all, for a whole bunch of but, reasons. Right. And the reason, you know, we have four cases in Williamson County. Do you know why we have four cases in Williamson why? County instead why? of one? Uh, because the, the young man apparently, this is, you know, at least this is the rumor, a young man apparently who contracted it on overseas travel decided he wanted to go out with his buddies. And he didn't want to be quarantined. <laughs> so again, you know, behavior be, uh-huh. be personal public, responsibility be a personal responsibility yeah thanks for listening in part three the last part emily and david will talk about the stock market areas of vulnerability for hospitals and what we're hearing from our friends and clients